Bienvenue to Strings Attached. I am Asaf Maoz and you are listening to Strings Attached. I have been a musician most of my life and in this podcast I try to bring guests from different fields of expertise to learn from them and maybe draw some parallels to the world of music. My guest today is a visionary, a man who changed one aspect of how we consume music. We recorded our conversation in a hotel lobby, so there might be some background noises. Don't forget to follow Strings Attached on your favorite app or on Facebook, so you're always up to speed with the latest episode. Hello, hello everybody, nice, uh, nice to see you and thanks for the invitation. I am uh, Hervé Boissier, the, the founder and CEO of Medici.tv. And uh, I'm also running other companies in that field because uh, I have the privilege to uh, manage Mezzo, the television dedicated to classical music and opera and jazz. And uh, more recently, Eurot, which is a wonderful production company based in Berlin. So, um, yeah, we try to have a network of uh, good teams uh, promoting uh, classical music and supporting artists. We're sitting now in the beautiful uh, mountain of Verbier, in the festival. What are your feelings about this place? Do you have any special attachment to the festival or this mountain? Oh, for sure, because, I mean, uh, Medici TV was created, was founded in Verbier in 2007. So it's a very special place for me, obviously, because without Verbier and without the support of Martin Engstrom, um, that would be a completely different story. I wouldn't say Medici won't exist, but uh, the story would be very, very different. So um, I have a lot of, of uh, souvenirs, a lot of gratitude um, for that festival because uh, the atmosphere uh, with all these amazing artists in a very friendly way and in a fabulous um, place, site. I mean, the mountains, but also the silence of those mountains, I think is a real inspiration for the music. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very uh, strong connection and a real pleasure because, I mean, every day there is so many concerts and you, you can't choose. Uh, we work very hard because we broadcast two concerts live per day. So at the end of the festival, we have like 30, 35 concerts, new concerts uh, being filmed. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, for me, honestly, it's one of the most exciting times in the year. I'm taking you back a few years. Did you learn music? Are you coming from the field of music? No, I never learned music, or, and I don't play music, actually, but uh, I can't live without music. Um, no, I'm really passionate about music since my uh, teen, uh, teenager. Um, uh, and actually, it was really uh, the lack of music at home or in my family which uh, encouraged me to, um, to, to discover. So it was, I'm a really uh, autodidact in a way. Because so I was listening to the radio because I knew music was was very important and uh, yeah I was uh, listening a lot to the French classical music radio France musique and um, and I said oh my god it's a, it's a fascinating world and you know step by step then you go further you discover a new composer a new performer a new genre and uh, at the end you 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 fall in love with music and uh, it's it's an endless Uh, venture and um, so so very spontaneously uh, uh, when I I, I, I try to do uh, high high studies 
Um, but I had the opportunity to work at the Opéra de Lyon because I was a big fan of John Elliott Gardiner. At that time, you know, I was very much in the Baroque uh, uh, style and uh, Gardiner was, was a, a mentor for me for Monteverdi, Endel, Bach. And when he was appointed at the Opéra de Lyon to create an, an orchestra, I said, oh my God, it's a perfect opportunity for me. So I went there and I said, uh, I don't know what to say because I have no experience. Uh, I was 20 years old, so I had nothing really to show, to say, but I said, but I want to work here. <laughs> I'm a big fan of you. And um, he said, okay, maybe, oh, pff, always good to have somebody to help, you know. And uh, for some reasons, uh, we found a way to, to work together. And um, at that time, he was still doing a lot for Erato. And um, and uh, and the people from Erato Warner, because that was exactly the time when Erato joined the Warner Classics family, they wanted to open an office in Paris, and then they saw me on different recordings, and then uh, they gave me the job. So uh, I spent like 20 years in the record industry, and um, in the late... Um, no, in the early uh, years, uh, 2000 years, uh, I saw the decline of the record business because the, the efficiency was almost lost, you know, with the piracy and uh, and the change of use of, of habits. So I said, okay, I have to to continue my mission with a, in a new uh, in a new way with a new format. And in 2005, I discovered I saw like everybody YouTube. I said, oh my god, that's super super cool. I mean, you can have an immediately access to everything, everywhere in the world, every time. So that's exactly what we need to do uh, for classical music because that's the way, you know, before, I mean, selling a CD in Argentina when you are a label based in Paris was a nightmare, you know, to organize. And sometimes it was, most of the time, it was uh, arriving concretely after the show of the artist, <laughs> you know, because, of course, it's, yeah, yeah, like you have a concert at the Teatro Colón. I make sure your records are there. And, you know, with stupid... Uh, uh, borders and papers and customs uh, issues, you know, the, 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 the box of CDs was like a week after the show, so it was very bad. Anyway, so with uh, obviously uh, streaming uh, internet, you can, um, you can reach everybody and uh, yeah, and since uh, 15 years now, I have um, a lot of fun with, uh, with Medici and a new project, as I said before. So do you see yourself as a visionary or a lucky person? Lucky person for sure. Uh, visionary, yeah, we were, we were clearly in advance, um, but um, yeah, we were kind of, of, of pioneer in that, in that, in that field. Um, but after it's really also the payback and the reward of um, a very serious work and a long-term commitment, a real confidence from the artist, obviously, because without that and without them, nothing is possible as a support of key people, and Martin Engstrom, again, was uh, totally uh, instrumental in that process. So it's a mix of uh, vision, for sure, but uh, luck, uh, always, you need that. And a very hard work, because um, to take the risk to launch uh, such a new venture, uh, you never know. You never know about the timing. Is it too early, and then there is no market? Is it too late, or so it's done? I mean, somebody else took the the, the business. It's a lot of intuition, a lot of um, yeah uh, expectations. But uh, in our case, uh, yeah, we are lucky because it worked out very well. 
I'm taking you now forward a few years, COVID time, pandemic, everybody sitting at home and looking to have culture, to enjoy these concerts that they cannot attend. It worked for your benefit, but it means also that you have to have an enormous data of concerts, recording concerts. Can you talk a bit about, was COVID difficult time for you, interesting time, positive, negative? No, I mean, it was, it was mostly negative because even if we saw our audiences growing, growing, growing very uh, seriously and very significantly, um, we, uh, we saw uh, how it was tough for the artists and especially the young artists because, of course, the big names, the established artists, okay, their concert, concerts sorry, were cancelled like everybody, but they were rescheduled. For the young artists most of them lost completely their engagements because, I mean, just for a technical fact that the concert halls or the festival, they need space for rescheduling the big names. So, I mean, technically speaking, it was, it was nothing left for the young generation. So that's a major uh, problem and, um, and that doesn't, it's not good for the, for, 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 for the industry, let's say. And if, uh, if it's not good for the industry, it's not good for us. Even if financially on the short-term perspective, you see your numbers going up, that's not the way we, we, we like to, 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 uh, to develop uh, such projects. And in addition, uh, we are also producing a lot ourselves. So we lost many, many projects, which were quite important uh, at every level. I mean, artistically, obviously, but also financially. So altogether, the, the, the gain we had on the, on the subscription side, we lost a lot on the other side. So, I mean, we, we were lucky to be neutral at the end. So it was not two difficult years and again compared to what experienced the artists it was absolutely uh, uh, not comparable but uh, no we are glad that okay it's not completely over but I mean it's much 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 better and it's glad uh, for instance in Verbia you know we have a real festival this year I mean even last year was still you know with uh, two concerts in the evening short blah 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 for well no that's that, that's good and I think if we have to um to be positive, uh, that's clear. It was a evangelization of streaming, democratization, and many, many people discovered that watching, listening, experiencing um, uh, performing arts, because it's, it was for every genre, uh, online was, uh, was cool, was good. So I think for that, it was, a, it, it was a real positive impact. You get to work with probably the best and the most famous artists in the world nowadays. What is their attitude towards the recording of their art? Are they liking it or they're saying, you know, why do you keep putting this microphone and a camera in front of me? What, what's, what do you get the vibe from them? I mean, it's very, very different uh, for each artist. I mean, there is absolutely no common sense or common understanding of, of, of that. You have people, they just don't care. Frankly, I mean, they, they say, oh, okay, oh, you're filming. Oh, okay, cool. But I mean, they are not really interested, actually, or I don't, there is no pressure. And uh, so there is some artists like that, obviously, for uh, not the majority, but for a big proportion, it's a, it's a pressure, it's a risk. Uh, so they don't like it so much. Uh, and they are, you know, uh, 
it's a bit uh, schizophrenic because they want to see their art, their talent shared by much more people than the few. Because even if it's a big hall, it's a few uh, attending in, in, physically in, on site. And, uh, but of course, they, they, they see that, uh, you know, if there is something which is not completely perfect, uh, they, that, that will be heard by a much bigger uh, public. So, um, It's really different. We try to respect their uh, feelings, their um, uh, request. Uh, you know, for instance, yesterday we had a wonderful pianist who said, okay, I'm okay for the live, but please, of course, give me the, the final cut. And if I'm not happy, I won't accept the replay. And we always say yes, you know, because we try. So sometimes that the opposite. The artists say uh, no live, but after we make... We listen and, and you can go online. So the, 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 I, I would say the, the signature of, of Medici is, uh, uh, it's not prima la musica, it's uh, prima the artist. Because, I mean, we know how, 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 how challenging it is, how it's a pressure. And, um, and I think that's the, with that philosophy, we got the confidence of the artists because they know that we are not playing with that. We, 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 we understand the immense um, risk it is to play in front of a, a, a concert hall. It's, it's really dangerous, actually. But you know, I must ask you, people go to a football game to enjoy the football game live. They go to a rock concert of U2 or any other band to enjoy it. People come to a concert hall to enjoy this maybe one or two magical moments that you experience that gives you, you know, the, the, the hair on your hands is standing. How can you convey this magical moments? I'm, I'm on purpose saying it over camera. Hmm. No, I mean, it's, it's a complete uh, different uh, experience, obviously. It's totally complementary because you will never replace the emotion of a live performance when you are sitting in the hall, of course. I mean, we don't pretend to, to replace or to uh, create something uh, at the same level or value or whatever. No, not at all. The idea is really uh, to give access to the huge majority of people being not in the hall by definition so that justifies um, enough to do it you know and after uh, the idea with the cameras and especially now with the, the, the technology we have because when we started 15 years ago you know it was much more difficult but today we have uh, the chance to work with very very small cameras remote uh, so which can um, tell a story which is totally different so we try to create a grammar for each concert, depending on the program, of course, and, and, and yeah, create a, a story, a recording, which is uh, creating an added value. Uh, and, of course, the most obvious, I know it's a, it's a bit cliche, but, I mean, the conductor for an orchestra, I mean, when you're sitting in the hall, you see his back. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and uh, with uh, the cameras, you see his face, his hands, his eyes, because, as you know, they are conducting a lot with the eyes. And that is something which is extremely interesting to, to see, to have these very little cameras and, and you can really go into the orchestra and then really uh, reconnect uh, something between the musicians. So, I mean, that's... Uh, That's totally different, uh, but that's, I hope, and I believe that 
we've heard that few times or many times actually that's that's the introduction or an invitation to go to the concert hall really that's that's the objective how we can reach new people and say oh i have to you you mentioned football but look on tv you you see the match It's great, but you don't have the, the, the atmosphere. And look, after, uh, when you become a fan of football, then you go to the stadium. Because you, and I think what we do is, is, is um, I hope, it's the same process of inviting, convincing the people to, to go um, to attend live. Do you remember any advice that somebody gave you during your, your way at helped you or changed the path, the direction of your professional way that you might, might want to share? I don't know if it's an advice, uh, but it was a very um, crucial statement from Nicolas Arnaucourt because I was working for, for him for years uh, at Warner. Where I, had, uh, I will never forget you know, the Beethoven symphonies and many other projects with Chamber Orchestra of Europe. Constantus Musicus, and one of the first meetings I had with him, and I was very impressed because for me he, he was a giant, you know, he was a god, uh, you know, Arnonco with all the Bach cantatas and uh, all the Monteverdi, anyway, he was, he was just, yeah, a king. And um, so the first time I saw him, I was like, oh, really shy, you know, and, uh, but I had immediately a um, very personal connection, human being with Alice, his wife, And uh, very rapidly in the conversation, he talked about routine. And it was because, for, of course, you remember his story. I mean, he was a cellist in the Wiener Symphoniker. And even if Karen was coming to conduct, his idea was different. So he decided to create the Constantus Musicus and to kill the routine at every level in terms of programming, in terms of scheduling, in terms of rehearsals, in terms of everything, you know. Everything was new. It was a revolution. And, uh, and that conversation, I never, never forgot it. Never, because, and I would say, and it's really sincere, every morning I wake up, I, I have that in mind. I say, kill the routine, you know, and take risk. Sing big every morning. Sometimes you don't have any result because <laughs> you know you. But sometimes, so it helped me a lot to, uh, yeah, to think bigger. And um, yeah, that's uh, for me maybe the best advice I received. Do you feel that there was somebody that maybe thanks to your... Um, broadcasting of a concert you maybe discover this person or help this person develop a career that might have been maybe less uh, developed and and thanks to Medici and you then your team became a real big thing yeah I, I, I like to say we are accelerators because I mean the talent is a talent and it's in your hands so but we have the the capacity to um, To make it faster and bigger so that's that's uh, that's exactly our mission you know we are there for that I mean we are backstage to uh, support and to love the artists and after depending on your job on your business you know you can do that with performing arts you can do that with the management you can do that with a record producer 
And in our case, we are really more in the in media world because now everything is global because what we do is uh, uh, the, the official streaming on Medici. It's a part of a bigger network because you have the social medias. And now everything is mixed, you know, so you can't think like it was before with television, which was very uh, powerful, but very local, very national. I mean, you got a, a broadcast on NHK. It was big in Japan, but not available in the other countries. Now with streaming, you are worldwide. And now with the social medias, for the good and the worst, you have people commenting immediately and talking and discussing and blah, blah, blah. You know, so everything is new. And um, how we can keep our, uh, our, our philosophy, uh, that's the goal. Because, uh, again, we are really uh, engaged in a, in a social or political or fundamental... Uh, it's not a fight. I mean, unfortunately, as we know, there is war very often in this uh, world. But you know what I mean. I mean, that's something we, we believe of, uh, um, art makes life better. That's the starting point, you know. And, uh, and if we can help very humbly, very modestly um, to bring art and beauty to the maximum of people, I, I sleep well when I go to bed. <laughs> I love that. You are now managing probably the biggest uh, broadcasting system of classical music nowadays in Europe, in the world maybe. How can it even grow? How can it develop? Do you have any more dreams or now it's already, you know, I've been doing it for 15 years, it's okay, I'm good. No, 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 of course. I, hopefully we are still dreaming and even more than before. <laughs> Uh, no, I think there is two elements which are extremely um, interesting. One is the audience. Because for the first time, I believe, I mean, it's not a, a, fun, a final statement, but that's my feeling. And I think it's very interesting also to listen to the artists about that. I believe that for the first time, there is the, the, a new generation of audience without any reference, cultural reference. I mean, the, before... I mean, people going to concert halls, operas, etc., were mostly f from a social environment, from education, from family, from... Uh, um, they were connected, they were in contact with classical music because of the, of the context, because they were uh, playing piano when they were kids, etc., etc. And that was a, um, a very central part of, of, of the audience, of the public. And the same in, in, on, on a business-wise, you know, because look, the sponsors of the companies, the CEOs, and especially in the U.S., you know, so that generation was used to support classical music and to enjoy classical music. Now we have a generation of leaders, let's say, from the tech, mostly, because the money is on the tech side. They don't care about classical music. No, really. I mean, they don't care because they haven't been trained to that. They have been in touch with that like the others were almost automatically. And, uh, and that's, I, th I don't see that as a risk. I see that as an opportunity to propose something different, something new, and especially in terms of, of the programs. Um, I know that many, many newcomers... They, they are open to, to listen to almost everything because they don't have any reference. 
You know, they don't say, oh, Beethoven, yeah, I like, but you know, uh, Arnoncourt or Carayan <laughs> and blah, blah. No, they almost never heard a real uh, Beethoven symphony. And, and I think that, especially for contemporary music, for the composers, there is a real window for that because, uh, you, I mean, of course, after people will make their choice, I love it, I don't love it, etc. But I think to have less references... Uh, like the people, the previous, let's say, generation had is, is interesting. And the second point, um, I think, and that the consequence of, of this first idea or thinking is the format of our job, because we are still so conservative. I mean, look, I mean, the concert form didn't change since four centuries. Exactly. Four centuries. You start with an overture, then, then you bring the piano, the guy plays his Beethoven, Liszt, Chopin, whatever. Intermission? Okay, nice for the bar. And then after, you have the big symphony. <laughs> and come on, I mean, everything has changed. The world is different, and we still continue to present that in the same format. And in a way, we do the same, because uh, we follow what we have on stage. So we continue to, you know, repeat that kind of, of, of proposal and with the audiovisual uh, tools we have with uh, many new um, areas we don't even understand uh, virtual reality uh, intellig uh, artificial intelligence enriched content to, to make it uh, easy and global there is certainly a lot of opportunities uh, which will convince new audiences to come to be interested to play with because um, The, the, the interactivity people have with almost everything today, I mean, has to come to classical music because otherwise nobody will understand why there is this exception. Why? You go to a museum to see an exhibition, you are, it's an experience. You're not just looking at a painting on a wall, no. You have some multimedia, you have some uh, information. Uh, you can choose to be uh, in your own world, But you have the choice. Classical music, frankly speaking, it's still uh, the same than it was like uh, a long time ago. So that's obviously opens many possibilities. And that's enough to excite me uh, for the next decades. Do you sometimes feel jealous that you're not on the stage? That you would no, take no, an instrument no, no, or become no. a conductor? Never, never. No, I'm very happy. I, I, I told you I never played an instrument. I never learned an instrument. And actually, I'm, I think that... I, 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 There is no frustration at all because, I mean, it's such a demanding uh, work to, to become a musician and to, to, uh, to, uh, to live with your music that I know, I know the sacrifice it is to, to become a, a real musician. So, uh, and, and either you are a great performer and then you have the chance to, to combine your passion, your efforts and your work Uh, uh, but if, if it's more complicated or difficult, then you have to stop. And then I think it's, it's a drama because, I mean, uh, you have invested so much time, so much effort in your childhood to, to, to accomplish your dream. And like uh, when you are 20 or sometimes earlier, you say, okay, well, I'm, I'm not the, the guy, you know, who will be... I think that should be very sad, very tough. So, uh, no, no, I have zero um, frustration and uh, my place is backstage, definitely. <laughs> you have so much experience and I want to get at least one story of something that totally failed. Something that totally did not work 
and I don't know, maybe it managed to function eventually. No, um, no, of course I, I, I made many mistakes and, and I had many failures because that's the way to, to make progress and to improve. Um, that was the very first concert ever on Medici in Verbier again because uh, and it was uh, in 2007 um, and it was the Brahms Requiem with uh, Manfred Honeck and um, and so and that we never did it before I mean we never did it so we we tested everything we worked like hell during the three days and nights before to make sure that our network was working blah 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 because at that time streaming live streaming was very very uh, prehistoric times, um, and everything was okay, was ready, you know, and the concert was at seven, and, you know, during all day, we made, again, test and test, everything was good. 6.45, uh, was the time we were supposed to go online, and obviously at 6.45, nothing was working, <laughs> everything was off, everything was out, we said, oh my God, etc. And uh, it took us like 10 minutes, 12 minutes, 15 minutes to fix it. And I said, oh, my God, that's really my requiem happening because <laughs> that's not going to happen. And I had to run to, to the backstage of the, of, the, of the tent at that time. It was at the, on the other wall. And I had to ask Maestro Onek. I said, Maestro, I'm, I'm so sorry, but I have to ask you a favor. Could you give me two minutes, please? Two minutes. And he, he looked at me and said, why? Why? I'm ready now. You know, he was already focused in his music, ready to go on stage. And this stupid guy was said, oh, please, maestro, I have a technical issue. <laughs> so he was, he was not at all. But he was very fine, very nice. And he said, okay, but two minutes only. Oh, thank you, maestro. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I, I went back to the, to the hobby van where we were uh, <coughs> located and suddenly by miracle everything was okay and ready to stream and then we started the concert and everything was good we were so relieved so happy etc and the day after Thomas Kwastov was singing in the piece and I saw Tom and he said oh Hervé hi how are you so how was it yesterday because I didn't really understand what you did uh, with your what's the name is webcast or what's that what's that it's very funny but you know what my, my sister um, watched the concert yesterday. She was in Philadelphia. She adored it. She thought it was wonderful. The sound was perfect. Fantastic. It was very, very cool. So, uh, good job. You continue? I said, yes, of course. I mean, I'm there for the whole festival. Oh, interesting, interesting. So, that was a very funny story because it, you imagine the catastrophe for, for everybody to have failed the, the, the first night. Um, yeah, no, I mean, coming back to your uh, question, yeah, I have uh, maybe one which is funny, um, which is the first time we try to, uh, we, we, we scheduled a jazz event, and uh, that was the first one on Medici, because we are basically a classical music, 
uh, and uh, I had the idea to have a jazz. I won't name the artist because it's a bit embarrassing, you know. But uh, so I, I put a lot of energy to set up everything, and I tried to convince my team because my team said, "Oh, you sing? We are really uh, relevant in that field, you know? Okay, classical music is fine." But I said, "Yeah, yeah, but we have to be flexible. We have to open the doors. We have to." And jazz is fantastic music because I'm a big, um, big jazz lover. So, uh, so it took me a bit of, of uh, homework, you know, to convince everybody. And I said, no, that's great, that's great, that's great. Then we went, we put everything in place, and, uh, and the guy comes out the day before. <laughs> 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 so my big jazz live event was uh, a flop. <laughs> a real one. And after they were joking about me, you said, ah, we told you, we told you, it's not the right thing to do. And of course, they changed their mind, and now we have a real... I mean, two, three times a year, we have a great jazz artist. And because uh, jazz is, is classical music, and classical music is a bit of jazz in the 20th century. So, I mean, uh, that's obviously the same long story of, of good music. Elvé, thank you very much for taking your time. I know you're a very busy man. So thank, thank you. you so much. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much to Hervé Bossier for this fascinating conversation. I loved his advice about killing the routine. I would definitely try to implement that in my own daily life. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please do so on the Facebook page Strings Attached or email me at asafpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Asaf Maud, and thank you for listening to Strings Attached.